Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast for digitallydownloaded.net. My name is Alan. I am going to be your host this week. With me is the editor-in-chief of digitallydownloaded.net and also the owner of the digitallydownloaded.net Redbubble store, which you should all check out. Easy plug, easy money. Yes, um, thank you, Alan. I appreciate hello. that. That was really nice of you. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Buy all my stuff. Well, not all my. It's not my stuff personally. It's like yeah, digitally downloaded.net stuff. stuff. Buy, buy his house. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy Matt's house on Redbubble. <laughs> <laughs> also, Hubbard's here. He was chuckling in the background, being a little chuckling Charlie. Yeah, hello. It's chuckling to you. Yeah, it's what he does. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going at you with. <laughs> with chuckling Charlie. Yeah, right. Well on me. All right. And also, hello, Trent. Hello. Well, no Hi. abuse. No no, no random gonna... intro. Just just hello, Trent. You've been here too often. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Trent. Okay. Ask, ask Trent about snowball fights. Trent, uh, what's the deal? Sorry. Okay. What's the deal with snowball fights? Wait, is there a new game with a snowball fight? I can't remember no, if that's okay. now relevant. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's like every time that this podcast happens, there has to be one Snowball Fight reference, so, like, it's fine. Yeah, but we've got many, many topics which Matt will somehow no, talk about Final Fantasy. And because we're going to start talking about Final Fantasy, I'm, I'm going to be like, well, even though it's irrelevant to what we're talking about, I'm going to talk about Tactics, and Tactics is the best game in Final Fantasy. And Tactics Advance, not the original Tactics, got to be right. And then we talk about the Snowball scene, which is a pinnacle of art. I mean, I we got that like, out of the system good and early. If you want me to do it more naturally, I can talk about how I'm playing twelve at the moment. <laughs> because no, no, way. we've already okay, done this. Go in, yeah. go in hard and go in with zero plan. Just be like, you know what? That snowball scene. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it is a new month, obviously, which is why you're probably listening to this podcast. Um. And there are some things that are coming out, so we're going to head right into that right away. I'm going to pick the Miku music this week because I don't care, and that cannot stop me. Actually, it's secretly he he loves the Miku music now. It's his thing, and um, yeah. <laughs> do, you want, do you want the real reason why I'm doing this? Because yes. I don't have to download anything else. <laughs> <laughs>
and welcome back. So, it is a new month, like we've established before. It is April. I had to remind myself it was April because, frankly, time is a construct at this point, and I don't understand it anymore. But new month means new stuff, and new stuff means good. I like new stuff. Nothing says good like rampant consumerism. So, yes. <laughs> we have some new games coming out. Um, there's actually some absolute bangers in it this month. This month is going to be good. And I'm also counting, like, the 30th onwards to be this month, too. So, you know. But, yeah. Matt, do you want to go through the list? Let's go through the list. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it yeah. There's going to be an awful lot of stuff to consume <laughs> this month. I can't wait to just We're gonna be look tired. forward to the next product and then buy next product and start looking forward to next product. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tiring month. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be very cranky at the end of this month because I'll be playing too much stuff. But it's good stuff, I think. The stuff is is very worthwhile playing stuff. So we'll start. The first stuff is Outriders. That comes out on the 1st of April. That is a Squeenix um, Western-style game, a one-to-three-player co-op RPG. I don't know how you do co-op when it's one player. Like, who are you co-oping with? But anyway, that's uh, what they described it your as. Your own existence, you are playing with yourself. Yes, you would be <laughs> Outriders, where you can <laughs> come up with, that. you can play with yourself. Uh, it, a little game <laughs> called Outriders. Yeah, Out- you can play one-handed. It's fine. <laughs> Outriders is a one-to... I didn't know you were playing my games these days, Alan. Um, Outriders is a one-to-three-player co-op RPG shooter set in an original, dark, and desperate sci-fi universe, which sounds like 90% of the other games out there, but who knows, this one might be good. Anyway, it's out on the first. Does this one have bonfires? It probably know. has bonfires. I assume it's got bonfires. If it's describing itself like that, that is a bonfire game. <laughs> yeah, there will be bonfires, but there'll be multiplayer bonfires. You can share your bonfire with other people. You know what um, would work yeah. as a multiplayer game? If they did a snowball scene. <laughs> and moving, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Next up, we have Oddworld. Oddworld Soulstorm. That comes out on April 6th. I haven't played an Oddworld game in like 60 years, but who knows? Maybe I'll play that one. Um, Lost Worlds Beyond the Page comes out on April 6th. And also Star Wars Republic Commando comes out on April 6th. Is that like a remake? Yo! That is a good game. That is, uh, oh, that's bigger. like an old school shooter before they started being really boring. Cool. Um, it's, they do like Metroid Prime visor stuff. Cool. And you play as a Republic Commando, which is the only cool stuff from the prequel trilogies, apart from I am the Senate. And, no, you know, Jar Jar Binks. He was pretty cool. Yeah, sick, Matt. All right, cool. Good good take. That's the yeah, best take I've heard. That take. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing that's gonna jokeify me today. <laughs> I, I've always I've always wondered like if there is an actual Jar Jar Binks fan group out there and they're just like There's gotta be some There's gotta freak. be some out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you went for someone, I went for some freak. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. April 6th, there is Luck Slinger, which is a hip-hop-infused spaghetti western. That game is awesome! No, okay, I reviewed this game back in, like, 2014 or 13. It is very good. Okay, well, it's coming out on PlayStation 4, Alan. Hell yeah, dude. Wait, Uh, not 5, 4. Yeah, it's also on 5. Yeah, you'll be able to play on 5 as well. Uh, But yeah, April 6th, Luck Slinger, a hip-hop-infused spaghetti western. That'll be cool, I guess. Uh, Alan says it's good, so I believe him. Believe it or not, I actually believe Alan sometimes, uh, and I believe him 
<laughs> he says that this one's good. Uh, I said you... that Pathologic was good, so Matt now trusts me. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you converted me on your tasting games. On April 8th, we've got a game called What the Dub coming out, which is a collection of really bad B-movies, and it's like a multiplayer kind of quiz game, and you've got to figure out what the thing that's being said is, apparently. So that sounds really if you, fun, actually. Yeah, if you're into your B-grade horror movies or other awful B-grade movies, then you'll enjoy that one, and I am definitely one of those people. So I'm looking forward to that, believe it or not. I'm going to play it. That comes out on April 8th. April 13 brings us Poison Control, which is a shooter-meets action title with a grim yet charming... I don't know how you'd be grim yet charming, but there you go. A grim yet charming art style. It's an anime game, but it looks good. It looks really good. I'm looking forward to it. It's not an Alan thing, I don't think. But I don't think it's fan service. You're not online enough for it. You don't (laughs) understand. You can be grim and charming. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think this is a fan service-y one. I think it's just a a straight-down-the-line one, but it it does look pretty good. Uh, Who's making it? I have no idea. I, I actually don't know. Oh. It is very I'm much a two-words-together game. Poison Control. There you go. The box art has a lot of pink on it, which is cool. Moving on. April 15, Saga Frontier Remastered Lens. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. That's a PlayStation Saga game, and I actually haven't played it, but I want to, so I'm going to. That's the thing. I'm going to play it. You can't stop me. Um, April 16, MLB The Show 21 comes out. Now, I like my baseballs. That's my yeah, favorite. that'll be good. That's my favorite of the Yankee sporting games. Um, that's the one that makes that Sony makes. But this year, it's also on Xbox, because otherwise Sony would have lost the MLB show. So Sony's making games for Xbox now. That's pretty funny. But yeah, the, the game should be good. I really have enjoyed the last couple of MLBs, so I think that I will enjoy this one as well. One day, uh, my dream of a cricket game having the same budget as MLB The Show or any other, like, you know, sports game, like, that will happen one day, and I'm very excited for it. And yeah, I'm and holding as, you personally accountable for it. As, as much as I would like to talk about cricket games, we can't, Alan. Uh, moving I know, on. but I'm holding <laughs> you accountable <Sports> regardless. <laughs> moving on. Atelier Mysterious Trilogy <laughs> Deluxe Pack comes out on April 22. That is the three... Uh, in the Dusk series, Sophie, Ferris, and uh, uh, Lady. And that comes out, yeah, on 22nd for PS4 and Switch. Mostly I'll be picking it up on the Switch because Sophie and Ferris haven't been released on the Switch as yet. That's cool if you like your Atelier games. Moving on, Wraith the Oblivion Afterlife comes out on April 22. That's a VR horror game, and I... I'm going to take the. I'm going to assume here that it's based on the kind of the world of darkness because Wraith the Oblivion is a world of darkness property. So, just like Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf the Apocalypse, now we're going to have Wraith the Oblivion. Cool. Now here's the big one. Here is the huge one, the massive one. April 23 brings us Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. Um, no, okay. We need to stop before we go any further. That is Yoko Taro <laughs> taking the piss. Oh, he totally is. Everything about this, everything no, about it, what Yoko Taro right. does is taking the piss. That's the like, point. The That's why it's great. We can sit here. We can sit here and make fun of like stupid names, right? We can sit here and be like, oh yeah, Krizoa, the spirit of the demons, is like a bad name. Near Replicant 1.6969XDXD Ja 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 is like the funniest name I've ever heard in my life, and I love it. Good on him for doing it. I am so sorry for their marketing team. 
Um, but putting aside the naming thing, I actually have been playing it. I can talk about it because as we record this, it's still under embargo. But by the time the podcast is live, the embargo will have lifted. And uh, question, do no, you like uh, the video game? Do I like the greatest video game of all time? Yes, Alan, I do like the greatest video game of all time. Think, do you like Death Stranding? He's going to like the game. I, I am so enthusiastic about this game. I like this game. It is making me very happy to play, but also very reflective because it is a very intelligent game. It's a game for smart people, um, is the thing. And also, if you like titties. <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, it has the one character. Are there uh, robots yeah. in this one still? Wait. No, no, no. No, you don't, are they no don't spoil I can't There's talk no about... There are no robots in this one, Trent. This is not near Automata. This is near Replicant version 1.22474487139. They're different are they games. Are still the tree? This people? isn't are they near all Replicant. the same planet? I don't know <laughs> anything about this game. <laughs> it is so based <laughs> in the same universe, it, but it's, <laughs> it's based in the same universe. It's like 2,000 years apart, though. So um, the, the, it's the, just an entirely different game. Uh, it was... I mean, everybody knows that Nier was a game that catastrophically failed when it first released the developer that made it closed up shop as a result of it and virtually no one played it because square enix never even bothered to put it on the playstation store for download so the fact that this is coming out now that gives you a chance to finally discover this brilliant game that led to near automata being also very brilliant so yes we look forward to it well, play it the, the game journalism industry is also responsible for that game dying because people played the first playthrough and then said Bad game. Game not smart. Very generic. Bad game. And then Well, yeah, I very actually, I very, very nearly missed it myself. Uh, because uh, you nearly, nearly missed it. Yeah, yeah. The, the reviews put me <laughs> right off it because they was getting like fives and sixes everywhere and I just wasn't going to play it. But then I got it really cheap at an EB Games. It was like 10 bucks uh, and I picked it, it up just on a whim see. because I needed, I needed something to play. And I put it into my PS3 disc slot and within all of two seconds, I realized, well, this game is pretty brilliant. And what the hell were all those critics saying? So, yeah, they were wrong. That's what happens wrong. when you don't when you don't like play a game to its point of completion. But so even the like... first playthrough, it's it's just there's a lot to it that's really worth thinking about and talking about and enjoying and stuff. So the only thing that people put people off legitimately was it played like crap. Um, yeah, it didn't it, play very uh, well, but. I haven't played the original Nier for many years, but this one is playing really well, so I assume they've fixed it up somehow. Or... Because they made it a game. <laughs> they made it fun anyway, to kill the... So we have a section just on Nier, this podcast anyway, don't we? Yeah, they're, they're going to fix the one big problem the game has and everything else about it remains the same. So there you go. It's going to be brilliant. Play it April 23. It's the best game of all time. Yeah, Moving we'll on. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need to do this right now. <laughs> um, there's actually not much else coming out on PlayStation 4 this month. Coming, Terra Trilogy comes out on April 27. I don't know what that is at all. It's a trilogy. Terra Trilogy? It's like a trilogy. Terra It is three full games in one package that pay homage to classic and retro arcade of the 1980s. So the, oh, uh, sad. Uh, finally, on the month, R-Type Final 2 comes out on April 30. Oh, that's I'd, good. Yeah, I like our type, so I'll give it a go. And Can just we flagging... just also please give a shout out to my my poor sweet boy Disco Elysium because it's banned in Australia. So any Australian people, I'm sorry, you can't you can't play a game. It's too hot for you. You can't talk about it. The, the cops gonna come, man. 
but we're going to yeah, talk about that I'm, later on. I will quickly flag. The UK is already arresting me as we speak. <laughs> I will quickly flag that if you are saving your pennies um, for one game next month and you are into your horror games, then you may want to just save through the month because May 7, we'll talk about it next month, obviously, but May 7, there's Resident Evil Village. So it's kind of at the yeah. end of April, but that's another big one to look forward to through the month. Now, moving on. Moving on to PlayStation 5. Oh, no, PlayStation 5. There are. So Disco wow. Elysium comes out on March 30, and that's the one that Alan was talking about, blah, 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 blah. Um, MLB The Show comes out also on PlayStation 5 on April 16. You can play it in HDs with big balls. Uh, da, 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 da. Ah, Judgment comes out on April 23. Yo, this isn't like the, um, you mean the, the Yakuza game that's not Yakuza? Yeah, exactly, that one. It's yeah. great. Cool. It's actually very good. Actually, kind of got overlooked in the end because it wasn't Yakuza, but it is Yakuza. <laughs> Which is um, such a weird thing to say about a series like Yakuza. <laughs> a yeah, game, I know. Notoriously ignored in the West until like four years ago. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's weird. I do, I do think Judgment got overlooked a bit because it just didn't have the name Yakuza on it. But hopefully Judgment it gets... Judgment is a... like the best Yakuza game, though. It goes zero uh, Judgment, then what it, seven then six, then the rest. My yeah, not actually that far. He's actually not that far off. <laughs> uh, it is actually a very good game. Very, very good. So hopefully it gets a bit more attention this time around because nobody's got... It's the only game that comes out in like a whole week and a half on the PlayStation 5. So <laughs> there you go. It's got some runway to work with. Uh, Returnal Whoa. comes out on April 30. Yo, that game looks really cool. That is a, that is a game that I think everyone is sleeping the fuck out on. Because it is, yeah, it's, it's like a, a roguelite game third, with a shit ton of budget. Yeah, a roguelike third-person big budget game to survive on a hostile planet that changes any time you play. I'll give it a go, let's face it. Yeah, I'll probably buy it, honestly. I'll give it a like, go. Maybe in like a year, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a go. I don't know when I'll give it a go, but I will. That's the thing. Um, and then Terminator Resistance Enhanced. I don't even That's know. That's also a good game. That is a, that is a better Fallout game than Fallout 4. What's it? Yeah, it's like a weirdly low-budget Fallout game. I never even knew it existed. I don't know why I missed it completely. Yeah, it came out like the week after Dark Fate came out, and it's better than Dark Fate, and also better than basically every Terminator media since. I just had no idea it existed, so I'll give it a go. Uh, if it has you do a very have... awkward sex scene, though. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Life imitates art, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Alan. That's a bit cruel. Um, what would, oh, what so do you sorry. know? <laughs> I, could, I could not stop myself. I saw it and I had to go for it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, moving back to Terminator, if you do have the PlayStation 4 version, you get a free upgrade too, so there you go. That's cool. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> going to take this offline, Alan. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> um, the Switch. The Switch. Uh, we've, what have we got coming out on the Switch? We've got A Long Way Down comes out on April 1. A mashup between RPG and deck building game. So there you go. It's a card game. Cool. Stick Fight, the game, comes out on April 1. There's an awful lot of games that come out on Switch, and a lot of, awful lot of them seem to be very um, uh, crapware. Uh, I Missed a really good opportunity to be like, there's an awful lot of games games on Switch, and a lot of them are awful. Yeah, yeah. 
One that I am looking forward to on April 1, and you can go and check out the little kind of uh, teaser video on the Switch right now, which I did yesterday, and realize that I'm quite look, looking forward to playing it. Train simulate, A train station simulator comes out on April 1. So in that game, you build a train station up, basically, and it's a simulator. <laughs> um, but it looks pretty cool, and I do like my simulators. I'm running to them thanks to A-Train and various other things that I've been playing, so I'll give that a go. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, I'm glad that sort of game exists because it is so niche that, like, I I like that people get joy from them. It makes me happy to know they exist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, if you get into a simulator, if you if that is your genre, then each one of those games lasts you for like dozens and dozens of hours. And then, yeah. the, the nature of those games are they're just kind of hobbies into themselves. So yeah. I'm hoping that one is up there with the quality of the likes of A-Train because I'm about 80 hours into A-Train now and I still barely scratched the surface of it. That is a lot for you as well. It's That's a, substantial. I can't stop playing the thing. Like, every night I'm there playing it for, you know, two or three hours before I go to sleep. It's just, I, I can't stop playing it. It's it's crazy how much it's hooked me in because it's just so dense. <laughs> There's so much to it. Um, moving on. We're talking about games next month, not games I'm playing right now. Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 4 comes out on April 9. So, yeah. I mean, it's a great game. It'd be nice if the Switch had the first two, <laughs> the four games, because you kind of yeah, need I to play find, them all back to back. I find that really weird that they would release the third and the fourth. but A different publisher. Oh. So, Exceed published the first two, and Nipponichi published the second two. And Nipponichi has the one, is the one that's releasing them on the switch and exceed hasn't so yeah you can play three and four as of april 9 on um the switch but you can't play the first two which is again a bit pointless because you kind of have to play all four of them because they all are direct sequels to one another so if you don't play the first two you're missing out on an awful lot of context unfortunately but it is an excellent game so if you do have the first two on some other platform and want to play the second two on the go then you'll be able to then Poison Control also comes out on Switch on April 13. Great. Cool. And so does Saga Frontier. So that's what I'm going to be playing it on. Uh, what else we got? Rain of your, on Your Parade is a slapstick comedy game. Let's not talk about that. That doesn't seem good. Um, <laughs> God Strike? No, doesn't seem good. Dragon Audit? No, doesn't seem good. Okay, I, I will make fun of Japanese games for having like ridiculously long, confusing names. But when your name, when your game's name is named God Strike, like that doesn't, like, doesn't really. God Strike you, is right. actually gonna be good though, guys. Come on, it's a, is it like a top-down shooter that's very boss-focused? Uh, oh, is it like Fury? Something like that. Uh, yeah. It's not Fury though, so I'm not interested. <laughs> the Atelier Mysterious Trilogy Deluxe Pack comes out on April 22, so you can play your Ateliers on the go, like I said earlier, which is good because two of them haven't been released previously, so you'll be able to fill in that collection. On April 27, Death End Request comes out on Switch. That was on PlayStation 4 previously. That's a Compile Heart special, but it is actually very good, um, even though Alan will never touch it. It is very good. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that I won't touch. It's a, yeah, you won't touch that one. I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> no, you're not going to touch that one. Um, oh, I didn't realize that comes out in April. There you go. On the Switch, the big one in April is New Pokemon Snap. I yeah. Oh, my God. That's another game I'm going to have to add to the pile. Shit. Um, It'll be quick, I think. Don't I don't have... game. Yeah, those games are, like, not long. Yeah, I, mean, except... I said those games, I mean that game is not long. <laughs> 
Except it's just, uh, if it's anything like the previous Pokemon Snap on the N64, that was a long time ago, um, I'm going to end up spending dozens of hours anyway because I've just got to get the best Pokemon photos there is. So, yeah. Um, I love Pokemon has... Snap. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I cannot wait to play this, even though I don't have the time for it and it's going to drive me nuts. I I can't wait. <laughs> it has all the new Pokemon, doesn't it? Like, it's not just a remake. It has everything yeah, it's, it's a new game yeah it's an all new game so it's got cool. everyone's favorite garbador oh <laughs> i have a funny story it's about the actually chain pokemon and also the one that's a rock tell me which one i'm talking about you can't because there's like 17 <laughs> pokemon that are just rocks what about the ice cream the ice cream is good yeah but at least like ever thought about melting him just in front of everyone and just yeah, laughing but... I hope, I hope the I hope the duck is in there. I hope Farfetch'd is in there, and he's got a leak. Psyduck, oh, you mean the blue duck? Not Farfetch'd. No, 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 not more Psyduck. Ducks, no. That's gold duck, you fool. <laughs> no, not gold duck. The new one from the new game. It's a little bird. I mean, Rollets, Rollets, or Ducklets. Oh, Ducklet! Ducklet is so cool. Thank you for reminding me about Ducklet. I love Ducklet. What's your yeah, favorite? My anecdote about Pokemon Snap <laughs> is that I saw the trailer and there was a toucan in it. And I wasn't even sure if it's a Pokemon or just literally a normal no, human. A oh, Piplup is in this one. That's right. There's Piplups. Piplup is the best Pokemon. Oh, that's the like the, the shitty penguin, right? Excuse me. Excuse <laughs> me. He is the best of the all starter Pokemon in all the history of Pokemon. But see, I don't respect any Pokemon that can't roll around because you look at something like Electorb and it's not like, what? Voltorb. They're all the same at this point. And it just rolls around, and I like that, and I respect it. Then you have Sphiel, who is a sphere, but also a seal, aka the best name pun I've ever seen in my life. And he just rolls, and I like okay. that. I'm going to tell you my story about Piplup, Alan. You're going to listen. Um, <laughs> so, first time. <laughs> You're first, going to listen. <laughs> first time I went to Japan, like this is the very first time, 11, 12 years ago now. Um, I was still a pretty junior journalist, so I didn't have much money at all. Like, my income was terrible. And um, the first time, obviously, I wanted to go and see a Pokemon Center. So we went along to the Pokemon Center, and there was this massive um, Piplup stuffed Piplup that I just had to buy. And I took him up and I, I bought him. And it was like my budget for five days of the trip in one go. And yeah, I, I had a I didn't have much to do for the next couple of days, but I had my Piplup. So that's my Pokemon story. Um, and I can't I'm wait so to take sorry. photos. I can't <laughs> wait to take photos of the Piplups. I still have that big Piplup stuff. I was going to say, like, did you keep it? Yeah, of course. Of course. Getting him back was a bugger, though. Yeah, I was going to say, because everyone I've heard who's, like, bought a stuffed thing and had to bring it back on a plane has described how it's the worst experience of their life. We're just trying to fit it into the suitcase. I I think I actually left some clothes in Japan, <laughs> because I just didn't have room in the suitcase otherwise. All was... I'm thinking of right now is those, like, images of, like, the vacuum-sealed bags, but <laughs> it's, like, just a piplop that's been, like, thrown into one of those and just sucked. <laughs> Matt, I'm sure this is a very sentimental story for you, but when you introduced it, it genuinely sounded like you were lost at sea and a Piplop came and saved you. Well, that yeah. would be pretty cool, too. Maybe that can happen in Pokemon Snap, uh, Harvard. You never know. Yeah, Alan. <laughs> I just want Politoed. Politoed's everywhere. Politoed is, like, the weird one who looks like he's, like, constantly high, right? It's very <laughs> That's a lot of them. But they're, That's, they're like, 90% of the Pokemon. Like, though. the Apple Pie Pokemon. That would be fun. Apple Pipe? What are you... What? Have, have you not played, played England one? Pokemon, Alan? No, because I have self-respect and I didn't want to play that game. 
It's like the best Pokemon since Black and White. I have not played Pokemon since Emerald, and the only Pokemon I respect is Muck. You should play England Pokemon. You'll you'll be you'll laugh at how England it is. Yeah, but will it will it will I get stabbed outside of a Pokemon Center? Because that's not real if it's not in there. I demand okay. shanking. Moving on, we got to keep things rolling. Um, Alan, you get one game. Pick one. Near. Game. It's okay, near. Cool. Yeah, I figured as much. Trent, you get one game. Pick one game. I'm gonna probably play near. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Harvard, you get one game. Pick one game. Slag of Frontier. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's good at all Harvard, but it's not near. So you know, I think we're we're all pretty much in agreement. Near, near's the one. So well, there's yeah. no other games this month. It's like it's I, I know. I'm gonna edit Harvard's voice out of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> just I just replace it with my own saying near. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that Simpsons joke with Mr. Black. <laughs> yeah, near's so, pretty good. Nia, music from Nia, and then we'll come back and talk about other stuff. their lives but 
in the darkness of it all, one thing stands tall. This is video games. It's, yeah, it's, it's mystery video. The, the theme of this segment is mystery video games. Nice. Yeah, Stuck natural. Yeah, no, that's what that's what they call the old twist 1.2. Wait, no, 1.2. I don't know. The, the, the landing where they twist. <laughs> <laughs> you know the one where they twist? They do the twisty twist, uh, and they land on the feet, and they go, yeah. And everyone's like, wow. That's, that's what gymnastics? that Look, at this point, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. We're talking about but mystery yes. games. Mystery yeah. games on gymnastics is a combination. Oh, I never gymnastics. thought. I never thought we would get, we would get into, but there you go. We've actually yeah. managed to. We've that managed is to the hit. Of uh, this podcast is that I am able to take a concept like doing a noir intro, and cock it up so hard that it makes a little bit of sense again. It's really a mystery all along. Ooh, well anyway, done, mystery Alan. games. Mystery yeah. games. <laughs> <laughs> mystery games are good, right? They're fun. Yeah, I like it. I like it when I don't understand what's happening. I like it when when I can see FK in the coffee, and I like that bit. <laughs> That's, That's a very my niche own. reference. I don't think you need to explain that one. No, I think people might know it. I think that game is big enough now. I think so. For those I, I, no, I'm, talking I'm, about Deadly Premonition. I think Deadly Premonition is well enough known that I can say FK in the coffee and have people be like, ha, ah, he's a gamer. He... <laughs> it's probably the original Deadly Premonition, but like, I, I was still thinking it, so I still win. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, mystery games. So I'm sort of... confused. Are, are we talking about games that have mystery as part of the narrative, or games that try to systemize the act of solving a crime? Well, I mean, mystery can be a pretty broad thing, right? Like, it, it can be a whole bunch of different directions, whether it's solving actual, like, crimes or, I guess, the, I mean, these days, mystery is a pretty broad, broad genre like in literature and film and whatever. So I guess it's it's doing that in video games as well. Um, but yeah, cause I remember you had this chat about how video game genres primarily are about gameplay systems but there's slight exceptions when it comes to narrative yeah i mean definitely mystery is is one of those rare genres where um the the genre itself is the the theme rather than the mechanics and we certainly see when it comes to mystery games they can be all kinds of different things like which is i i, I mean there's stuff like Alan Alan Wake has a strong mystery element to it, I guess. That's um, more of a thriller, though. I'd say. Well, mystery and thriller go together pretty closely, wouldn't you say? Like, yeah. E- even yeah. in cinema as well, the, the whole noir thing was very close to thriller in in tone as well. Uh, not necessarily supernatural, but it was certainly um, kind of thriller dramas. Yeah, no, I, I would say I would more closely associate the mystery genre with something like uh, Murdered Soul Suspect. Was that the name of the game? The game so, where you play no. as a ghost? Oh, uh, that was... It's kind of jank, but remember. it had some really good ideas. Yeah, it's we a weird really one to remember. It was actually pretty good. I, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't a great gameplay game, but it was a yeah, interesting... Not to play. <laughs> yeah, but it, it definitely had an interesting narrative and design, and it... Yeah, I, I thought that was quite an interesting effort. Um... 
I don't know. I guess I, I quite like mysteries when... I think the natural fit for the mystery genre is probably the visual novel. And I don't just mean um, the ones that Alan's probably thinking about. But... <laughs> There, there is... The mystery should not be what colour are my underwear. <laughs> but, you know, you, you're talking about the, I mean, the Ace Attorney games, they're kind of mystery, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mystery. That's extremely correct. You're right. But it's a court, kind of court case drama in that case. Uh, there's a really good one. If you haven't played it and you'd like um, Phoenix Wright, you would enjoy this one too, I would imagine. Um, Jake Hunter, alternate Jake Hunter, came out on the Switch two years ago, I think. Uh, and yeah, that one, I, I, it kind of stuck in my memory as one that I really thought is a, a good example of mystery done well in a video game. I hear that name pretty often and that just sounds stupid, too stupid to me. Yeah. yeah I think, Jake Hunter. I think, no, the worst yeah. thing about that name is that in an Australian accent, it sounds really bad. <laughs> Jake Hunter's back again. <laughs> yeah, it totally, it totally sounds like Crocodile Dundee, isn't it? Like, it's just... No, that's not why I'm saying it's bad. <laughs> I know, I know, Alan, but I was it's trying okay, to move the podcast word offensive. to something a little bit less. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, think, um, I think Jake Mystery Hunter visual was... novels. I think if you haven't played it, then the Nonary game series, so 999 and Virtuous Last yeah. Award, and whatever the last one is called that no one likes, um, those three are really good series. I like them significantly more than Duncan Ropper, which is I'm sure Matt will talk about later. But I like the way that the plot twists account for the player choices, so you feel much, much more involved. You feel like you're trying to solve the problem instead of just watching a Humphrey Bogart on the screen trying to solve the problems. You know, I I think that's what the strength of visual novels give is that it can present the story to you and then ask you how do you get out of the situation. Well, yeah, I mean, I think have that's... you guys played? Um, have you played the Cthulhu games, the new ones, the two new ones, the the Sinking City and Call of Cthulhu? No, I've heard weird stuff about the Sinking City, so I haven't bought it. Sinking, yeah, Sinking City didn't really do it for me, but I thought the other it's one was a weird very... game. It's very jank, but it's pretty cool. But I thought Call of Cthulhu was a very good one. Um, oh yeah, I really enjoyed Call of Cthulhu. That yeah, that's a good example because also pretty mystery. They are very mystery. They're obviously supernatural horror as well, but they certainly have that quality about them. And I don't know if it was just because, I mean, obviously Lovecraft games and Lovecraft aesthetics and whatever is very closely tied to Lovecraft himself even these days. Like Even with all the different authors trying to put their own spin on it, it's still Lovecraft is Lovecraft, if you know what I mean. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that his, his work is definitely horror, but it just has this under kind of lying mystery theme about it. And I, I don't know if it's just because that was the time he was writing, because he was writing about the same time as Raymond Chandler um, for similar publications, I think. It, it was just a time where that mystery element kind of infused an awful lot of uh, of authors, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that stories and aesthetics that come out of the kind of the 20s, 30s, 40s is my kind of thing when it comes to mystery. Um, yeah. And I obviously I'm a big fan of Raymond Chandler as well and The Big Sleep and uh, Noir and I wish that more games did that. Because <laughs> well, there's not I, that I many that do lost. Noir really well. Not, I've always not loved that, that sort of genre. I mean, um, L.A. Noir was fantastic at just like having that same exact sort of feeling. And it was that was fantastic. I really loved that game. Also, Australian made. So, oh, again, I missed that game. 
That yeah, was a good game, game that didn't it's worthwhile playing. You can yeah, get it on it, your Switch now. It's been remastered. Yeah. It you actually, know. honestly, it holds up way better than you'd think because the facial recognition stuff is so revolutionary that it still looks better than most stuff done today. It like does, but when you play it, you can feel really the good. crunch. You can, you oh. can actually palpably feel how much stress the developers were. I mean, you, you drive in the open world and it, it does not work as well as you'd think it should. And you can feel that they tried as hard as they possibly could to make it open world, but they just could not do it in the time that they had. Yeah, yeah. And, but, like, if you're ever off the main narrative, the game just crumples away. Yeah. But to, to go back to what you said earlier, um, Harvard, about when you play mystery games, you like to kind of feel like you've got the agency to solve the mystery. That's um, That's something I've thought about quite a lot because, yeah, it's an interesting one to me. I've been playing through... Or I've reviewed this week um, a game called Root Film, which is a well, it's kind of a sequel to Root Letter, but not really. It's just set in the same uh, prefecture in Japan, but the the stories are completely unrelated to one another. But there's not much agency in that one in terms of being able to solve the mystery yourself. It kind of plays through in a very linear fashion, and you're kind of following along with the plot more so than being involved with it solving. And I've realised that I'm not against that idea either um because it's like a roller coaster you know I mean, the you thing ride is, it and you get the same ending regardless that's pretty cool it's the thing fun. is that the i guess there is still agency in the sense that you're trying to guess what's going to happen before it actually happens it's the same appeal to watching a thriller oh sorry a, a mystery on in the cinema or reading a mystery book that you are still trying to solve it before the author solves it for you if that makes sense um but there is, for me, I think that the issue is when a game developer has to give you agency to solve the mystery, I, I often wonder if they have to compromise on how clever they can be with that mystery, if that makes sense. Because if it becomes too complex, then will the player be able to solve it and move on? Oh, I have an interesting different style of design, but it might diverge a lot from what you were thinking about. So there's two indie games that do this really well. One is called The Shrouded Isle, and one is called The Church in the Wild. And they both have slight execution issues, but the way they both work is they have characters who have randomly generated personalities that the player doesn't know. And so it's kind of like a deductive game. As you play, you try to figure out what the narrative is being, or what the hidden narrative of the game is, and it's always different every time, and your actions should vary depending on who you're trying to engage with and what you're trying to achieve, depending on whether the person you're talking to is a cultist or trying to break out of the system or something like that. So that's a different way of approaching narratives. But I think that is yeah, such a cool point, idea. It is. I wish that someone would do that correctly. Maybe that, oh, that... Gosh. <laughs> guys, guys, you have how how can you have missed my review of Nosia? How can you have missed it? Um that's that's exactly what you're looking for, I think, Harvard. Uh, Sounds just like Danganronpa, though, like how, like, your favourite character will always die, sort of No, but Danganronpa's, like, very railroaded, though. Like, it's always clear who who's good and who is bad, whereas these... What? No, it's it? not. No. No, I mean, I, I mean you when you finish playing, right, dude? you don't do another run where the other dude's bad. Oh, no. no I think the original is probably pretty clear who, like, a lot of them are very stereotypical, and you're like, okay, well, this this person fits this mold, so they're obviously evil or gonna be like a you know 
antagonist at some point, or this person's obviously batshit crazy. Like that. That's like I feel like the originals more so that like the, the other ones are a little bit more developed. But I don't know. I feel like you can easily pick out tropes in Danganronpa. Yeah, and I think that's the intention with that kind of game. They really leaned into tropes and were aware that people would enter the game with those assumptions about certain stereotypical characters. Yeah, I think so. They definitely played on that. And a big part of the mystery was... With Danganronpa, a big part of the mystery was really just kind of trying to understand what was going on rather than who done it. It was more understanding why they were there and you know how what what purpose they were all playing that kind of stuff so yeah but to go back to gnosia so that game to quickly explain it you you're basically or your whole team is or you uh wake up on this space station um you've got amnesia so you don't exactly know why you're there and so on and so forth there's but a tro- it's a trophy start wait wait wait, wait, wait. Among us, i'm gonna be really angry at you well it is it is it is very much similar to among us but it has a much <laughs> no. But it's not multiplayer, so you don't have uh, you know other people ruining the experience for you. It's very much more. Um, but you, you kind of have to work out who on the ship is going to betray you all. Uh, who's the kind of wolf in sheep's clothing kind of story? And the experience is very much about you know, asking questions, figuring out who who does what and stuff. I, I highly recommend Nosia. Um, it's it's difficult to explain in a short couple of words, but. I did a stream on it, check that out. That'll explain everything about it. But yeah, that, that kind of mystery is interesting to me as well. Um, it's not a detective mystery as such, but I, I do think it involves the same mental processes. Um, and it's, it's almost like it's a carryover from like those like deductive puzzle games. And I really liked those as a kid. And I, I want that to be like more of a thing. It's fun. It's cool. <laughs> It just goes to show kind of kind of how broad this this genre is that mystery. Yeah. There's just so many different angles that developers can take, and I don't think I mean, I don't think there's one right way to do mystery. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's a million ways to skin a cat, you know. Yeah, yeah, but there's a you know look at you look at some other genres, and there's certainly right ways to go about doing a platform, for example. Um, you know, certain expectations that you need to meet with. RPGs, but I think mystery is just one of the most vibrant genres. Persona 4 is technically a mystery. It is. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah. I mean, like, imagine if Persona 4 just Among ended, being a waifu simulator. Among like the first, like, evil dude you find. Imagine if Persona 4 just ended at the gamer dungeon. Like, that was the end of the game because of your choices. <laughs> That's one of my favourite things about Persona 4, is just how many I'm... red herrings a game has. I would yeah. love for the option to end the game with the just leave Nanako in the TV. That would be my. You are decision. a I would evil man. I'd you are an that. evil, evil man. <laughs> Rid the world of the most annoying little sister ever. I guess the cool thing about like uh, mystery games is they usually lend themselves more to experimental stuff, like especially the more when they're visual novels, like stuff like back in the day of the DS, you had stuff like Another Code and Hotel Dusk, and more particularly Another yeah, Code. Hotel Dusk. 
Yeah. Um, another code pioneered a lot of the, um, of course, it was a really early DS game, but it pioneered a lot of the stuff the DS did in terms of, okay, this is a puzzle game or whatever. This is what you're going to have. Like it had to flip over the DS screen to like do the stamp and all those other little cool little uh, things. It had the bloody microphone thing. I swear, like Nintendo should have just scrapped the microphone from it. I'm, I'm dying every time I'm even touching that and I can't even blow into it and then it doesn't do anything and then I throw the DS and then Road Rage. But like it pioneered. <laughs> <laughs> Almost cool little, um, you know, oh, this is a device. We're going to do some cool stuff with it. Sort of like the Wii as well. Like with the Wii, it's like, oh, well, you've got a remote and you've got a nunchuck. There was a lot of really weird experimental stuff back then as well in that sort of thing from Mystery Junior's. So, so, so now that you've said that, I realize that they absolutely could do the, the Switch and there is nothing oh. stopping them. They could do a one-two totally Switch do. where you examine evidence with the Joy-Con and it would be amazing. Oh, I mean, did anyone here play those from software games, the Echo Knight games? No, I've never heard of that. that no one has played, even Matt. No. Wow. Okay, I'm the biggest gamer here now. It's me. <laughs> from software, um, in my mind, has only made Lost Kingdoms and Lost Kingdoms two, and then whatever is the past generations out. And the robot games. Hashtag gamer. <laughs> yeah, and also the robot games. No, yeah, Echo Knight's um, a mystery horror game. It's really weird and very cool. You, everyone should play it. I don't think it's What's like it you would play it. It's on like the first two are PS one, and the third one is a space game on the PS two. It's very the, uh, just to just to wrap this this uh, segment up. There was one other one that I wanted to quickly mention, um, and it kind of got lost. Nipponichi announced it, and nobody really paid attention. But they're bringing the silver case to the Switch. Yeah, oh, and yeah. the silver. Well. The, the silver ki- uh, case was one of Goichi Suda's earlier games. It's a very visual novel thing, but it is a dark noir game. Like, it is dark. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely amazing. So definitely check that out. Don't let it go past you when it lands on the Switch later on. Um Didn't you mention Famicom Detective Club? Yeah, that's coming too. <laughs> that was the reason we did this segment. No, yeah. the reason we did this is because of Disco Elysium. And oh, this girl we also didn't mention that. We can't, we can't talk about that one because it's been banned in Australia. So, it has been banned in Australia. So, yeah. unfortunately, so you what can't you can talk do about is it. Just make it... What you can do... I'm going to give a hint to everyone in Australia. Is that there's a feature where you can make a PlayStation Network account on a country that is not Australia. All you need is a PayPal account to buy, buy that game. You, I don't think you can do that, actually. <laughs> you can't? Wait, Really? Yeah, because PayPal accounts are locked to region. I'm pretty sure that you can't actually... Or oh, oh, Alan can give us some uh, UK... Uh, yeah, you need someone on the e-shop. inside. Right? Yeah, the codes. yeah. There, it is possible to do it. I mean, obviously, I do it all the time because I get codes from America and the UK and whatever. But um, for, for reviews, you can set up an account and then there are plenty of websites out there that sell credit. Uh, so, I'm know, sure of... that if you contacted the de- the developers, Zayum. I'm sure they would be like, oh, yeah, like, this is maybe a way you can probably play the game. But anyway, you can set up an account from overseas. Uh, just make sure you turn the VPN on, otherwise the cops will come get you. Well, and... it doesn't matter because we're not going to be playing games anymore because Peter Dunn's going to be PM and he's going to ban all games. So it's okay. Yeah, but I don't think most people... He's too busy under... living under my bed and scaring. <laughs> I don't think most people know who are, who listen to this podcast know who Peter Dunn is, uh, Trent. So let's go he to some music. The boats. Let's let's go to some music. Let's stop with the uh, Australian politicking, and uh, we'll come back. How's about that scandal? (laughs) We'll we'll have a different topic. Um, Music from. 
just got lazy and settled it.
and welcome back. So, Matt is playing near Replicant One Point, whatever, um, and that game looks absolutely fantastic. Um, for those of you who don't know who this, what this game is, um, it is a 2009 RPG, I believe, released by uh, by Square Enix, made by oh, what was the company's name? What was the original Cavia. company's name? Cavia. Cavia. Yeah, they also made the Dragon Guard games, like pretty low budgety sort of stuff, um, but you know, functional, worked pretty well. Um, but this was probably Yoko Taro's first really, I guess, super super culty game. Like Dragon Guard was pretty big, but Nier has cultivated something else entirely, and that's what led to Nier Automata coming out. And now they decided to go back and basically make Nier One actually purchasable in a modern context without having to own a physical ps3 or 360 and a copy of the game and yeah because it was one of the few games that never got a release on the playstation store um the only way to play the original near is via a disc copy um i'm gonna be really just up front you probably wouldn't want to physically play it either it's probably just better to like watch someone else play it and then buy I mean, the it's game. not that. It's not. It's not like pathologic hard to play. It's not that bad. Um, it's like not the best game in the world. But they fixed. Man, how have they fixed it? Explain. It's just not the best game. Um, I'd be interested to see just first up whether the fact that Near Automata came along and was such a big hit, whether that forces people to reassess um, their thoughts on the original Near, because that game really does have. Uh, well, it really did not do well. With the critics either. So I'm just going to quickly check right now, live on the stream. Uh, the stream. <laughs> stream is ruining my brain. This stream um, is ruining your brain now, Matt. Uh, I'm just going to check quickly. Um, Could yeah. you imagine if we streamed this podcast? We'd be like wrecked. Yeah, so. Are you the original, checking the Metascore? Yeah, the original Nier was 68 on Metacritic. So. That is basically trash in, yeah. in the <laughs> That's like essentially you play this and you get physically ill. Yeah, and I mean that to get that score, you've actually got you know red scores on Metacritic, forties and below. There's three of those. Uh, it was it was a game that was pretty robustly criticised. Let's put it that way. To be fair, um, the game came out before Met- uh, DigitallyDownloaded.net was <laughs> listed on Metacritic because I would have changed the score a little bit in the positive if I had. I, a, I don't the, think one one hundred um, out of uh, one hundred one ten out of ten would make it. Uh, uh, I think, I, I, think I, I hate to make this joke, but Matt's review would have made it sixty nine. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, Matt, can you go back in time and do that, please? I I think it's really cute that you think I'm just going to leave it at 100 out of 100, Trent. Um, Because, yeah, Nier's the greatest game ever made. Uh, But, yeah, as we were saying earlier in the podcast, I kind of missed it because of all those reviews. I saw them coming in. They were all quite critical of it. I figured that this was a game I didn't need to play, so I left it on the back burner, and I only got to play it in the end because it was going for 10 bucks. Uh, and I just needed something to play uh, for a weekend. So I very, very nearly missed it myself, and that would have been crazy because it is... I genuinely do think it is the best game that has ever been made, and I'm just wondering whether the fact that Nier Automata has made it okay to like Nier, (laughs) um, if that's going to affect the scores. I think that this game is going to do much better, and not just because they have made it play better. I can't talk too much about the gameplay because the preview is pretty limited in terms of what I can talk about. <laughs> um, there are only three sections in the game I can really talk around and I've only played one of them at the moment. Um, well, I mean, but the... it definitely plays better 
I don't know how much better because it has been so long since I played the original Nier, but it definitely plays better. It's not as kind of... Um, it doesn't look clunky. It's not It's not as dynamic as Nier Automata. There's still the basis of the original game in there, but they have definitely made it more responsive, smooth, and accessible as a, as a game. It's also very pretty now. Um, mm. Very pretty. And uh, the criticisms of the original Nier did include the fact that it looked all kind of washed out and dull. It was a bloom game. Yeah, it, it was it was in the era of Real as Brown. It was very it's very grey, but the, excuse me. I mean the thing is it was deliberately grey. That was kind of the the aesthetic fits in with the the tone of the game, the theme of the game, what the game's really saying. It needed to look like that. Um what they've done with this one is not that dissimilar, I think, to what they've done to spruce up Demon Souls, in that they haven't touched the tone of the aesthetics. It still looks very kind of dour, um, but they have made it cleaner um, and more visually impressive as a result. I don't so, know if you can answer this question, but have they done anything to the soundtrack? No, no, they've not touched the soundtrack. Exactly Thank so. God. Okay, good. I, I will say... I'm taking a risk, I think, saying this. Um, I'm not quite sure if this is covered by don't embargo it, or not. But it, 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 is, it is very minor, so I'm sure Square Enix will just give me a slap over the wrist if they happen to watch it. The one thing that bugged me so far, the only thing that's bugged me so far, is it doesn't have... When You remember... I mean, did you play Nier, Alan? I watched a full Let's Play of it because okay. I couldn't get access to a copy. So when you put Nier in the the original Nier in the thing and you turn you, you boot the game up, the first thing that you have is this wonderful speech by uh can can what's her name how do you pronounce her name kane she has this kane she has this really amazing little uh speech where she just abuses the shit out of god damn you wise you piece of shit i'm gonna get get your ass out of here yeah Yeah, they 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 remove that um why from from the from the intro um i can't talk about anything else but yeah, I, I like that stuff, and they haven't done that yeah, for this one. But I mean, it tells everything you need to know about Kaine. She's great. <laughs> yeah, she is amazing. But yeah, um, the game itself, the, the music hasn't been touched. It's an incredible soundtrack. I actually prefer the soundtrack to Near Automata's soundtrack. Not that that's, I mean... I mean, both are about, very good. You're talking about two of my favourite soundtracks of all time anyway. But yeah, the the soundtrack of Near is just something special to me, and they've yeah, maintained that. My favourite... My favorite, my favorite song from it, and I can't talk about it because it's actually part of the the preview thing. My favorite song in Near is when you're in the junkyard, um, and it's got that kind of industrial kind of. Um, it's the most Near Automata song in that whole game. Is it though? Like is it? It feels very similar to something that you'd hear in Near Automata. Anyway, it it does have this really strong industrial beat to it, and. Yeah, for for the scene that you're playing through, it's absolutely spot on. Um, but I think the thing that people will be surprised about with Nier if they haven't played it originally is just how dynamic it moves between different gameplay styles. Because Nier Automata did it a little bit, but toned it down, I think. I mean, Nier Automata had the shmup section, which was quite good and that. But Nier actually has, like, the visual, visual novel section, yeah. Visual novel sections. Near has like top <laughs> down shooter sections. It has all these really. It was. I mean, the, my read on it was that it was Yoko Taro kind of experimenting with gameplay as a thing, uh, and just seeing how you can how different forms of gameplay can 
work towards a particular theme that he was trying to explore through the the main story and yeah it, it definitely is eclectic that's a good word it's eclectic um and i think that that'll surprise people when they play near this remaster but yeah they haven't touched it too much really it's, it's pretty oh, much the same good. game can i Would ask you... what is the oh sorry no you go for it uh, what is the mood that you need to be in for this game like do you need to be in a certain mindset to want to take in existential themes because i know that automata you could kind of turn that side off and just do fun robot fights but is yeah that... no i i think i think near is a much more um focused game that I, I do think that you will get much more out of it if you're in the mood to be a bit reflective on it as you play. Uh, it, it certainly has a lot of Yoko Taro style humor and surrealism running through it. Um, it's got the book for one thing. <laughs> the book it does is have a great. book who, gets, who is probably one of my favorite voice acted characters in any video game ever because it's just Liam O'Brien being grumpy. No, it, very- I. I it was it was amazing because it was like Liam O'Brien was told to be Alan Rickman and that's what he nailed. Like he just did. And it's perfect. Like that book Stop is Stop pounding me with <laughs> It's it's great. So it does have plenty of that humor, but it is very <laughs> dense in its themes as well. It is very existential. It's very philosophical. Although if you ever it's talk to game. If you ever talk Matt's trying to say politely. <laughs> if, if, if you ever talk to Yoko Taro, he absolutely insists that he hates philosophy. Um, and he constantly craps on it, but which is why he named all his characters in Automata after yeah, 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 yeah. But the yeah, he, he, he absolutely, he absolutely loves it. Uh, it's quite clear, and he definitely explores a lot of kind of very dense ideas in it. Um, so to answer your question, you probably, I mean, you can enjoy it on any level, but I, I think you will get more out of it if you're in the mood to engage with it on that level. That's uh, interesting because I think that the games as a whole have evolved in the last 12 years so that 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 kind of experience is more acceptable and understandable i guess whereas i think on the ps2 ps3 (laughs) i i don't know i I, I, think is pretty like well regarded and loved and like the whole thing of like oh this game is so deep dude there's a part where people people die and they get hurt and it's sad i mean like that's that's at least some dialogue that's better than just I'm going to go on deathmatch on uh, on Rust or something and just shoot people with a Beretta. Like, that's that's better than it was. Yeah, but on the other hand, we've got stuff like The Last of Two being, uh, Last of Us 2 being celebrated as being some kind of great I mean, narrative. Like, it's totally not. Like, isn't just like man with gun go shoot bang. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'd be really interested. I'm very... I think the thing that I'm most interested about with regards to Nia is just how people respond to it this time around because I, I suspect it's going to be different. I think Nier Automata legitimized Nier, but... Because it was fun. <laughs> That's why. It's literally the only reason why is because people didn't play it and go like, band game, games suck, no play. See, the problem with Nier Automata is I wanted more of like the village thing and the tree people and stuff like that and the like cool, fun, like circus, circus. No, like, you don't get fun. Park. No. Yeah, but fun that, that, was, that was cool. Like, <laughs> Oh, Did you actually get to was... the bit what what happened to them, yeah. Trent? Did you know what happened to them, Trent? Because <laughs> uh... it wasn't exactly fun. Yeah, <laughs> so that's like the least fun part of that game. <laughs> so I got into the pit, and I found out that it was Earth all along. Yeah, I, I don't you know. You didn't know the bit that we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's a good I'm way to spoil a game it. from 2017. <laughs> I, I think I got that? out of the pit, and then I rise as Batman. 
And then, right. you know what? <laughs> For the next minute and a half, no one's allowed to to listen to the podcast. So if you if you're not played Nier Automata, uh, this is where you have to just mute for a bit and I don't know. I'll I'll do a dance that you can't see so you know it's safe. Basically, um Trent, your favorite village, uh, they commit suicide. Oh, well, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> because they feel fear for the first time. It's the only reaction that they have. Yeah, but it's uh, like cool story like stuff like that's what i wanted more of like not necessarily villagers committing suicide but like you know more <laughs> more of that reflecting yeah and then the best part about that is when pascal asks you to either wipe their memory or to kill them as well and you have to make the choice of whether it's better to like have her forget everything and keep living or join them and then you go and you buy stuff from her later on if you wipe her memory, and she's just like selling the body parts of the people of the village to you, and you can just buy them. And it's really dark, and it's Yoko Taro doing his best. This is the end of the spoiler bit. <laughs> so we go back to Neo. Um, I, I think, I mean, one thing I, I, I the, the religious elements that were running through Neo Automata are nowhere near as explicit. I think in Neo, because um, I mean, Neo Automata was pretty. Everything's about God. Theo- <laughs> theological. <laughs> it was pretty theological. It was just because, you know, it, it was definitely exploring. Whether... There's no gods or kings, only men. And it annoys me that it became that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, all those, those robots, all the, all those robots kind of, you know, exploring what it is to be humanity via spir- spirituality. It was, it was on, it was pretty on the nose. I think Nier is a little bit more subtle about some of the stuff that it explores without giving away spoilers or talking about it. Um, it's also yeah, more but, like traditional, I'd say as well, because it's more like a fairy tale game. It's it's Yoko Taro doing a fairy tale thing, but extending it and making it his own. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely resists being categorized as anything, really. It's more just Yoko Taro being Yoko Taro. Um, <laughs> Keeping in mind, this is the man who tried to sell Nier Automata by rolling around on the floor and shouting <laughs> Nier Automata t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Yoko mean not group. give a shit. <laughs> but he's, it's, certainly, it's certainly smart. It's certainly yeah. smart. Very smart. Um, but yeah, I, I think... It's a think, game that everyone should play, and I'm excited people are going to have the chance to play it, and I'm going to have the chance to play it for the first time ever. I think and you're going to like it, Alan. I'm excited beyond belief. I'm really f- buying it on day one, because it's... What day does it come out again? 25th? Yeah, something like that. 25th, yeah. I'm going to buy that on day one, and I will be streaming it, probably. So, yeah, yeah. You should write. You should write the study guide. Oh, God. No, I'll just, I just you do not want me writing things about anything. <laughs> you should you should give it to your your your, your students, Alan. You should force yeah, them because to play it, you know, and then I, have, have analysis sessions. Look, we've done Beowulf at the moment, right? And that was enough for them to be. Are like, you serious? Oh, That's oh, awesome. I like Beowulf. That's a group from primary school. And what it means, though, and it's really difficult to explain what Grendel's doing when he's eating people. Because they're like, what does this word mean? And I don't know how to explain it without potentially getting letters from parents. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Nia. Nia's good. So we're going to do some music. I can't do Nia. We're very pick Nia. Well, we Shit. can do Nier Automata music. Do the, right. do the village for Trent. Do the village, the, oh, happy, music, the happy village music for Trent. And then we do the sad village music to end out the podcast. 
and welcome back. So, now that everything's beginning to sort of open up a little bit more, party games are beginning to return, thank the Lord, because it has been too long. And I'm really glad that there are actually are like a pretty good variety of them out at the moment, and ones that a lot of people can really get into. Um, of course, it goes without saying the Jackbox games are pretty universally renowned as extremely good fun party games to have on in the background. Um, and there's a new one coming, isn't there? Is there's a new one. There's you know? always a new one coming out. It's every year. It's great. Um, but yeah, there's like a whole bunch of new party games like out and about at the moment that I think are genuinely worth like a lot of attention. And um, one of them, actually, if you've ever played Mashed, has anyone here played Mashed? What is Mashed? PS2 racing game where the point was not to like do a lap time, but to outrace other people on the track. It was sort of like Micro Machines, but realistic. It was How very. How access cool. it? Uh, you cannot ever. It is <laughs> Why do you do this to us? Look, I thought you were gonna say there was like a t- like based off a TV show, Mash, but like a video game, like Mash the video game, and that would like, be the have worst party Mash? game. Extremely bad party game. Yeah, that would be a terrible <laughs> yeah, party game. That sounds like a horrible time. Yeah. <laughs> no, like it's a um. There's a, there's a game called Party Crashes, which is made in Tasmania and is Ooh, also yes. on sale on PSN right now, as is Party Golf, which is the predecessor. But um, Party Crashes is basically a four-player racing game where every match you play is completely different. And the rules are different, the car models are different, items will be completely different, properties will be different. So it's completely customizable for everything. And one of the best things about that is that no one can be a tryhard and make the party game not fun. Because as someone, if you're like me and you play a game like Smash Brothers, you go into that to win and you ruin it for everyone else in the process. That's some real so, self-awareness. Most Smashers don't have that. Yeah, but most people in the Smash community also practice the wrong type of grooming. So like... <laughs> Uh, the cool so, thing actually so that party <laughs> golf party crashes team are ridiculously cool like i, I remember going so to Pax and they were there and they made neon shirts to promote their games and they were just like friendly with everybody and that's exactly what you expect people who make a game that conducive to parties yeah uh, they to understand be like, just great people they are yeah I mean, the, and thing, the thing is these games kind of highlights i think uh, a challenge that party games have to overcome and that is that just how many people are going to be playing them in the sense that how how good does your gaming have to be because i mean if you think about it like party games should be accessible to pretty much everyone right like in in theory yeah but a lot of a lot of these games that we're talking about here are more for people who have a background in gaming and there's nothing wrong with that like one of my favorite party games personally is Screen Cheat, which is also an Australian game, funnily enough. Also fantastic. Also great fun. And also in, on the Switch. Yep. Or in screen in screen sheet, um, you can't actually see any of the it's a it's like a split screen shooter, but you can't actually see where the players are players are on the screen. Like you can't actually see in your little section of the screen the other player avatars. You've got to work out where they are by looking at their part of the screen, and it, it's just I mean, kind of. It, it's all be- it it's, legitimizes it's playing Goldeneye in 1999. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and bedlam, being addicted to your friends. <laughs> to actually enjoy that game, everybody who's playing it kind of needs to be a gamer as such. You um, need to know FPS controls, which, as yeah. I learned from playing it, it's not assumed for everybody. <laughs> and it goes the same for you know we we take it for granted that we know how to play racing games, for example. Um, but not everybody does. 
So you're immediately kind of excluding people from your party game if it is racing-based. And again, that's not an issue in the sense that if you can get a bunch of people together who do have a basic idea of gaming, then that's great. But the question I always have with party games is just where do you pitch them and for what kind of audience? Do you want to go the Jackbox kind of way where absolutely everybody can pick it up regardless of how many games they've played? Um, I mean, for me, one of the most... The, the party games that I've ended up playing the most over the years was the buzz games. And that was because they are just quiz games. my, That's my true, family, right? my family, you know, we had non gamers in the family. My parents, for example, they're not really gamers. So, but that was one that they could sit down and we could all enjoy as a family because you didn't have to have any gaming knowledge whatsoever to play them. So I've always wondered with party games, you know, as a developer, you know, you, when I'm thinking about how developers think about games, how do they go about, pitching these things and how do they design them and what what are they thinking about and in terms of their audience when they're creating these games i have a good example on that actually so i have a lot of party games my favorite thing to do is to download stupid games on the switch and to force people to play them and you, you, <laughs> you sound like a hoot harvard <laughs> yeah harvard's the guy who comes to a party brings his switch and says all right we're playing we're playing super mario party everyone we're, we're playing kukiomi too consider it more <laughs> Nothing's wrong with Super Mario Party. That's a fun Switch game, especially yeah. if you play it over and over and over and over and over and oh, over again when you're yeah. babysitting. <laughs> so I think that the stress with party games is like sometimes you'll put something on and you'll think it will be fun for everyone, and then everyone else is like, nah, I'm not into this, fam. And so the game that I had the opposite reaction to, where I thought it wasn't going to be fun, and then everyone else just got really into it, is this game called Drink More Glup which is by, amazingly, I think, Yogscasts. And the premise of this oh, game no. is that it's the Olympics by aliens who have just watched human sports and have trying to reconstruct what the appeal of sports is. So you have these balls with two arms and you have to run in completely incorrect Olympic events, like marathons and dodgeball and pachinko and just stupid games. And every game is sponsored by a company and that company will affect how your game works for example like one sport you'll be sponsored by rocket shoes so everyone has rocket shoes and the way that it works is because it's such a stupid awkward game that everyone is struggling with the controls the entire time so it becomes like competitive co-op basically like it's yeah, just it goofy be... and awkward and fun it definitely needs to have either that sort of complexity where after a while everyone sort of starts to get it or it has to be just so impossible that everyone is screwed and everyone's in that same play, like playing field of just like not knowing what's happening. And I think one of the best ones for that is kind of Duck Game. Because Duck Game is pretty funny because someone who has no idea what they're doing can still inadvertently kill you. And it can be like a complete fluke and hilarious. And it's great. I think and that's what Sakurai wanted Smash to be. And then people ruined then it. Then he made Smash, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the original, Smash was the, the original Smash was not a game that you would take seriously by any means. I no, think you pick Kirby and you walk off the stage with someone in your mouth and you win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> I actually thought I've I think I've said this on the podcast before. I actually thought the first the first two Smash games were the the better ones, not because they were better games as such, but because they were just more enjoyable. These the, the most recent Smash is just it it tries too hard. Like it, it tries to be this fighting game that you can take seriously, and it's just exhausting to play as a result. It's not Tekken. Nothing I, is Tekken. But I would also say that Tekken is a better party game than Smash. Because Tekken is instantly understandable, whereas Smash has like a whole bunch of shit going on that you don't understand. 
you pick someone in Tekken and they're like, oh, they punch with fist. And I will kick. say that, yeah, Tekken's a, Tekken's a really interesting one because it is a very complex fighting game this in is itself. It's a DAE game. But, that is a, yeah. But what the developers have done so well is they've made it so that people who just want to button mash can still enjoy it, you know? Um, it's still fun to kick people. Yeah, like, exactly. And it looks good and it feels good. They're, they're, that's a rare kind of fighting game indeed because most fighting games are either, you know, they aim to be completely accessible and undermine the complexity as a result, or they um, they, they don't even try. <laughs> um, yeah, If you're playing Blazblue, for example, you, oh, you, you're a fighting game fan through and through. Or if you're playing Mortal Kombat, it's not really a game that you can... Although they have tried in more recent editions, but traditionally Mortal Kombat has not been a game that you really kind of try to take seriously. The thing is, um, though, Mortal Kombat sort of isn't a good party game because it is so violent. You know, yeah, like, you're going to be a certain kind of group to enjoy more. Yeah, Every, everybody's like, got to be on board with it. You know, it's like if I was to, I mean, Dead or Alive, for example, I <laughs> love Dead, Dead or Alive. <laughs> you, you don't. Um, it would not make a good party game for you know our context because that game, you need to be you know, in a specific mindset to enjoy. And if, if you've got a group of people together that all like fan service games, then sure, Dead or Alive is a, is a great time. But if even one person in the group doesn't, then it kind of falls on its face. So again, I think Tekken is a good example of a game that appeals to a lot of people. I think Soul Calibur is another one. Soul Calibur is a good fighting game as a party game. I think Soul Calibur is as close as you can get to that sort of fan servicey line. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't it. over. It's not going to offend pretty much anybody. I think it. It has fan service, but it's just. It has booby lady. Yeah. It. It does it. It does it in a way that's uh, tolerable for people to to enjoy in a party setting. I think it's so, important to know that the uh, this. I don't want this just turn into me saying Tekken really really good, but the the best thing about Tekken is the fact that you have like super serious martial arts characters. You have people people who are into MMA will look at that game and say that's cool as hell. You'll have. Lucky like Chloe. People. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you'll you'll have Chloe. like a completely different demographic. Like my friends in college who, you know, were sort of 19, 18, 20 year old girls looking at that and thinking, wow, Asuka's really, really cool. She's beating the shit and she's got some like cool stuff going on that. That's awesome. And then picking Asuka. And then you have the idiots who will see a man who is a robot with a mohawk and say, hell yeah. And then you'll have me who sees bear and says, yeah. Did they solve the turtle? The turtle? This is turtle character who like, you instead of gone? kicking, I think so. He just spins around forever. Yeah, that's her, gone. I have a childhood <laughs> memory where I had a friend who owned the game and he was really good at it. And I would just lose to him all the time. Except whenever I played Gun and just did nothing but spin around, he was like, stop doing that. I can't beat you if you do this. And I was like, this is a fun experience now. Yeah. But, no, yeah, like, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm... there's no characters that are actively, like, bad in that game either, which is why I think it's so good as a party game. Like, you can play Eddie Gordo as someone who's never played Tekken before and have a great time because spin to win. But if you know anything about Tekken, you can easily stop it. But then also, like, it's funny. It's funny to see your friend who has no idea what they're doing figuring out some like seven hit combo by accident because they got excited hitting like triangle a bunch <laughs> like it's great it's that's like one of my favorite party games is because you know you can have that extra super like mega lord nerd lord like sort of detail that i'm now trying to go for but you can also like jump in there pick a random character 
and chances are you're not going to have any idea what to do with it. So you're on basically the same playing field as someone else jumping in with a new character as well. Because I can guarantee to you right now, if I like picked King, I'd probably beat you. If I picked anyone else, you'd probably be able to beat me pretty confidently. Like that's just how Tekken works, and I love that about the game. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously Tekken is still a game that is very much you need to be a gamer to enjoy in the first place. You, it's I it's still so. no, I, I definitely. I mean, I can guarantee you, dude. You you gave Tekken to my parents, and they'd be like, "What the hell is this?" You know, it, it's definitely a game for people who yeah. do enjoy I mean, video I, games. I'm more thinking in terms of, like, people around my age. People who I'd go to a party with at my age. Because I wouldn't yeah, bring out a I mean, stop with anyone, like, in my parents' friend group, you know? Well, I mean, it's it's still... I think the, the thing with fighting games are they do make for good party games because they are pretty entertaining um they're kind of short so yeah it's easy to play you know in small bursts and it's easy to share controllers around everybody can get a go and stuff i I do think that fighting games work as party games but again it's still within the context of it's got to be a group that's kind of on on board with games there has to be at least one fighting nerd there also has to be one mma nerd in the same room to instantly be like oh yeah let's talk about brazilian (laughs) jiu-jitsu But yeah. that's just what it has to be sometimes. Or someone who has swords. I have a sword collection. Oh I'm going to stab you. There's at least one Yoshi player in every friend group. And they are pieces. <laughs> one thing I will say, I mean, I think one thing that's kind of missing from the Switch still to an extent uh, is the last couple of generations with the, both the Wii and the Wii U, Nintendo's done a really good job of giving games to people that everybody can enjoy. I mean, everyone knows Wii Sports was a game that everybody could pick up and enjoy. And even the Wii U, the uh, Nintendo Land, had stuff that was a lot of fun in groups. Um, the the, the Luigi's, the Luigi Mansion style one. Oh, that was a great game. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time playing that. I don't see so much of that stuff on the switch in itself um which is really disappointing because of the whole controller like the original concept was like oh i'm gonna take my switch out we're gonna be on a basketball port here's a controller (laughs) and it seems to be like nintendo seems to be more focused on creating those multiplayer experiences for people who have a kind of gamer background like uh splatoon is a lot of fun of course but you still got to be a you've got to be competent with games, you know, to to get anything out of Splatoon. Uh, Smash Brothers is fun, but Smash Brothers is a game that you've got to be a, a gamer to play. I, I don't see where the multi... And, and they've done some good kind of fitness stuff or whatever for single players, like Ring Fit Adventure or the, the boxing one. Those are perfectly entertaining, but they're kind of solo experiences. I just wonder where the local multiplayer kind of experience from Nintendo has gone. Did you ever it's, say one, two, Switch, Matt? I mean, God, yes, but is... it, it was more a tech demo than a It thing. was, but it's also, like, not a game. It's something you inflict on people for fun. Yeah, so... it's not really what I'm talking about <laughs> in this context. <laughs> I don't, I know I would just like to see Nintendo have that kind of, keep that local multiplayer. I mean, I guess Mario Party kind of does it, and certainly... You look they at have Mar- not put any effort into that since it came out, and they needed to put a lot of effort into that game when it came out. Well, Mario Party is like one of the most high, you know, high-selling games on the Switch. So I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, and they're not supporting it. 
well, it doesn't make perhaps 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 it doesn't make sense, Alan, because uh, it's not for you. You know, it's also not games as a service so, game, so it doesn't need I to be supported. <laughs> but there was like what four maps in that game, five maps, and they're all the same. I what played you... it once at a mate's place. All the same, because, but there was pretty. like Mario Party came out, and I was like, hell yeah, let's play Mario Party. So I went over and there, and the mini games were fine, but the maps were like not entertaining enough like there wasn't enough bullshit and i don't know about i think i I, I love bullshit yeah i think that the maps are fine for the kind of audience that would be playing mario party um which is just a general general audience that just want to pick up a game and play uh and i think that's the thing that a lot of to go back to what we've been talking about I, i think a lot of kind of party games or multiplayer games that you play in party settings or whatever they kind of lose sight of that fact that not everybody wants to sit down and really master a game. They just want to play something um, in a party setting. These my thoughts, anyway. Sorry. But also, Mario Party's like too long, though. That's my issue as well. Is that Mario Party? You need four people who are dedicated to. Yeah, Mario Party's an event. For like it's not like an a hour game. That's like a board game. It's like you don't invite people over to have a party and also maybe play Mario Party. You invite people over to play Mario Party. You know. Yeah, I mean that, that should that be is, on the box. That is true, but that applies to board games in general. And I think yeah, I um, agree. And I think that I mean, if you invite me over to a party and you're like, "Hey, do you want to play Katana?" I'd probably be like, "I don't have the time to play Katana, and also I'm drunk." <laughs> like yeah, maybe maybe you just have a different thought about parties. <laughs> yeah, but I if mean, you're like, "I'm, I'm drunk, let's play Mario Party." That's suddenly more fun because you're like, "I'm gonna steal your motherfucking stars." Like that's that's like that's like Mario Party when you're drunk, but like. I feel like Nintendo's definitely, like, let go of the whole concept they originally had with those, like, you could share the Joy-Con. Like, I don't think there's been enough multiplayer games which utilize the fact that you can just take a Switch somewhere, here's a Joy-Con, let's play a game. And yeah, oh, just fair. Nintendo's that... not making it. Yeah. I don't know there's about like you guys, but... Like, there's, like, I... Kukiyomi, but oh. just, there's such indie... Like, it, they're really relying on indie developers to do it, and the problem is that the the quality is so inconsistent. You'll Google party game on the Switch and half of them will be good and half of them will be bad and you'll never know until you put it into a social situation. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah I because, will say, like, well. Snipper Clips, say, like, ended up just buying that, like, game and, like, finishing it off. Like, like, it's not a Nintendo game. It's just some random indie game. Like, there's a lot of games where it's like that and it's really annoying because Nintendo should really just ridden the concept hard. <laughs> I still think the best party game on the Switch um, is the Bomberman one. I think the Bomberman yeah. on the Switch is excellent. I would accept that. Absolutely. It is simple enough excellent. where you can play it and instantly understand it, but also oh, complex I've se- enough I've seen, to I've get s- mind games and shit. Like, yeah, no, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen Bomberman work on completely casual audiences who have never played video games before, but you put them put a controller in the hand, just explain how to play Bomberman in like two sentences. And they're there. They've got it. Like it's one of those ones that you can instantly understand everything you need to know about the game just from looking at it. And I think that is something where a lot of indie developers miss out. There's so much assumed knowledge that a lot of indie developers have because they're gamers themselves. They just assume that people will be able to to figure things out. And in a party setting, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, yeah. In, in a There's party a really setting, good... you've got to understand how how what the game is and what it's asking you to do instantly, absolutely instantly. And that's to go back to screen sheet or whatever. 
you need to have somebody explain Screechy to you. You need to have somebody explain fighting games, which I do think are, are good, but only in a certain setting. Um, I think you need to explain Tekken, though, because it's... You do. It's you 100% cool, do. Nah, you don't need... No, you just say there are two buttons for punch, two buttons for kick. Go. No, no, it just <laughs> who, doesn't who, work who that way. Playing, who is inviting a bunch of people over and playing Tekken, and the people who have been invited are, like, non-gamers? Like, who is doing <laughs> this? Like, that's a, that's like, a very 90s sentence to say. People are inviting people over to play Tekken. <laughs> Extremely again, 90s. Again, you can play as a bear. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, it's like, great. It's... Tekken's, Tekken's great, and again, it, in a context, it works really well for a party game, but it's not. It's not pick up and play. It is not. No. It's far too esoteric. Everyone should play the new DLC for Tekken, because it has a really cool lady who knows karate, and she's really cool, and also the karate is, like, legit. Can so I pivot for something, though? I think another really useful way to do party games is to have a shared experience with friends. So my example would be the recent Dark Pictures game had this yeah! fast controller mode where it was a horror game, but whenever the character perspective shifted, you would give the controller to someone else and they would be responsible for that person. And one it was kind of like you're collaborating on the story. And if one person screws up and gets everyone killed, then like, Actually, it's a social situation. I will say that one of, the, one of the best party and the most interesting and innovative party experiences I've had in a long time was Sony of all companies uh, on the PS4. Remember that when they had that brief moment where they wanted everybody to kind of interact with games through mobile phones as well? Yeah, uh, and that's, that's something. What's it called? That's live? Yeah, no, I'm not talking about that one. They did this mystery one where I can't remember what it's called, Hidden hidden Agenda or something. Uh, and yeah. it was like this crime game or this kind of story-driven thing. And then at certain points, uh, you, everybody would input the response they wanted the character to make and whichever response got the most inputs would be the one that happened as the story played out so everybody was there trying to figure out what um what they wanted to see happen next and the, it was just really interesting kind of party game experience it was almost like watching a movie but at points and like a vision novel thing but rather than making one decision it was like this crowdsourced decision process it was really good uh hidden hidden agenda i think it was yeah, i wish sony, agenda, 2017 yeah i wish sony had a stuck with that because i thought that was actually a pretty good idea like it would, yeah, be nice, it would have been nice to see the explore yeah this was also a supermassive games game so it's the exact same thing as until dawn and yeah yeah it was just like just... that stuff yeah, exactly uh that's right it was a supermassive games thing but it was more explicit about the multiplayer experience whereas yeah. uh, those ones are more kind of single player driven i know you can play the multiplayer but they are more single player driven anyway that was a that was an example of party game that anybody could pick up and play and enjoy instantly. And I mean, we can also go down this route then of playing a horror game in a group of people because that is also a grand time. I One of my horror, favorite experiences I think ever horror, is playing yeah. things like Resi 7 for the first time with like seven other people in my room and we were always shitting ourselves and drinking and having a great time and laughing. Like it was just a great time. Like that sort of experience cannot be sort of denied. And it's not necessarily really co-op. It's more just like it's co-op through experience rather than co-op through active play. And I kind of really like that. Yeah, horror it games. Sort of, it removes that barrier. Horror games are often single player, but I, I, they are always better enjoyed in groups, I think. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I've played a couple of horror games in the past with, around people and it's always been more fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I haven't played Resident Evil 7 in a group, but... It's very good. It's very fun. 
Yeah. Well, shall On we wrap note. it up there? Then? Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap it up yeah. there. Then. Hmm. Um. Well, what do we think of the music? <laughs> should we do some Resi Seven music? Because Resi Eight's coming out in a couple of months. No, we should do the theme song for Wii Sports. Everyone my age knows it instantly. Yeah, let's do that. Let's finish with that. We're finishing with the music from Wii Sports. Yeah, I respect that. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you very much for listening. Obviously, we'll be back next month with next month's podcast. Um, it's, of course, important to follow us all on our social medias, which I'm sure will be in the links beneath this podcast. Make sure you check out Digitally Downloaded every day for your news, reviews, and previews, especially for Matt's upcoming near replicant review, which I don't know when it'll go up. When will that go up, Matt? The preview will be up by the time you hear this podcast. Um, the review goes up on launch just like every other game so yeah towards the end yeah. of the month make sure you check out that i'm sure it'll be one of matt's reviews which means that it will be in depth and good so for ten thousand word review no oh less God, do not <laughs> Matt, no. I'm, i cannot read that even i will skim that <laughs> <laughs> and then also buy all our stuff yeah also buy the mug buy the mug the mugs buy actually the mug it's a pretty cool mug. I do like yeah, the mug's like actually pretty sick. So yeah, do or, that. Or the frame, the framed copy of the Miku, um, the Miku DD, but it's just like a billion dollars. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, thank you for being on the podcast. Of course, thank you, Harvard. Thank you, Trent. It's always good to have you on, and thank you, Matt, as well. So we will be leaving you with the theme song to Wii Sports, a classic 2006 banger. Hear this in the club. Get it on your pipe and smoke it. Let's go. See you all next week.